Thunderbolts. The Thunderbolts? Are they the exciting new heroes the world needs? Thunderbolts, strike! Today makes at least half a dozen times the Thunderbolts have done the job we used to depend on the Avengers for. It allowed us to move among you, disguising who we really are. The Masters of Evil! In what is now becoming an old story, the Thunderbolts once again save the city. Enough of this hero talk. You will do as you're told. He's right. You may be wearing a songbird costume, but underneath you're just screaming me. I can expose all of you right now. So you see, you really have no choice. You know what? We're done playing these parts. It's time to live these parts. No one betrays Zemo. Figures, just when we go in on this hero thing, our blood runs out. Avengers, Defenders, Thunderbolts, I make any team better. We're Norman Osborn's A-team, and he's the big man in charge now. This isn't the team I used to lead. You, honey, are under arrest. You have to fight for what's right every single day, bulletproof skin or not. The Thunderbolts have worked hard to change people's minds about us, but apparently we've got a ways to go. Hey folks, and welcome to Justice Not Entirely Dissimilar to Lightning, the fan hole spinoff show where we talk about the Thunderbolts, Marvel's team of uh, ex-villains pretending to be heroes, wanna, wanting to be heroes, you know, whatever, what what have you. And uh, tonight uh, we're going to do our usual thing, you know, talk a, a numbered issue of Thunderbolts and then in the second half talk a historical issue that kind of ties in or informs the numbered issue of Thunderbolts and uh, joining me tonight is hey what's up this is Derek Derek WC my face was surgically reconstructed (laughs) so it was so it so it so it shall be yes so uh yeah 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 I mean obviously we're we're pretty deep in well you know relatively deep into this right now so you probably know uh what how we do so um what I'm going to do is I'm going to read um a summary of Thunderbolts number 13 I wrote up and you know then me and Derek will discuss it so Thunderbolts number 13 uh has a cover date of April 1998 it's written by Kurt Busick penciled by Mark Bagley uh, colors by Joe Rosas inks by Scott Hanna letters by Richard Starkings and edited by Tom Brevoort and uh the title of the story is In the Courts of Cosmos After having been teleported away from the Avengers and the Fantastic Four, the Thunderbolts find themselves in the alien dimension of Cosmos, where Atlas was previously held captive. Summoned by the sovereign... uh, I'm going to keep screwing this up, but I think it's Jakuaket. They soon find themselves under attack as Atlas is recognized. They escape and observe they've arrived in the middle of a seeming civil war between tribes on Cosmos. The T-Bolts find a safe place to camp for the night and take stock of their options. After Atlas gives them a history lesson on his time in Cosmos, the others soon discover they are being watched by Jaquette, the son of the Sovereign who followed them out of curiosity. Jaquette relates that their society received a message from the future that they would soon be conquered and enslaved by a mysterious blue man and forced to build him soldiers. Their scientists managed to track down one of these so-called growing men and found that the last people to encounter it were the T-Bolts, back in issue 5. So they teleported the T- those of the T-Bolts they could find to Cosmos. 
The T-Bolts try to figure out what to do with this information and ultimately decide to surrender themselves to the Sovereign and explain that they are not allied with the Blue Man. Uh, the Sovereign finds sense in their story, but ultimately orders them in prison to be executed in the morning. Moonstone notes some tension between the Sovereign and his chief, Vizier. In the cell, the other T-Bolts try to come up with, the, with a plan, while, and when everyone goes to sleep, Moonstone uses her phasing power to leave the cell and secretly meet with the Vizier, offering an alliance with her for their mutual advancement. To be continued. So yeah, this is the start of a new like era of the Thunderbolts, kind of like they're pretending to be heroes. Days are over, and now it's kind of a the start of the on the run fugitive era, and it starts with this like two parter and on co- that takes place on Cosmos. And uh, you know, I, I picked this up off the shelf, like, and I, I I think I said last time, you know, that I issue twelve was a big deal to me, and I was curious to see where they go next, and. I mean, I know a lot of people at the time kind of say, like, you know, oh, the thrill is kind of gone out of T-Bolts now that the secret is up. But I was still, like, you know, very much on board here. And I was kind of like, okay, well, this is, you know, the whole history lesson that Atlas gives about Cosmos. Like, I I don't think I had read a lot of those issues. So I was kind of like, oh, okay, like, maybe I'm kind of interested now. So I don't know. What about you? Were you, was, was your interest starting to wane a little after this issue or? I, I, there, there is truth to what you say, right? Like there was a climax with the the previous issue we discussed, and there is a sense of denouement with with possible denouement with with what comes after that. I think I was still interested because if I recall correctly, I I was buying these off the stands as we discussed, and I continued to buy this off the stands. I think. I, I want to say until like issue seventeen. So I think I think it kind of wore thin on me after a while. Like where there they weren't, you know, w- once it they weren't villains pretending to be heroes. Like there there was an aspect where I, there was a certain sense of disconnect for me. I, I think what's interesting about this issue in particular, and and it's something I don't know that I appreciated at the time, but like, you know. Uh, well, one, of course, I like outer space, right? And and technically, Cosmos is kind of like this, what, alternate dimension in outer space or something like that, right? Like, sort of, kind of, right? Like, they're, they're, they're you know, maybe it's not like in another galaxy, but it's in some other, you know, universe or whatever, right? Yeah, and I, like I, I guess my... So yeah, yeah, something like that, right? And I guess my point in bringing that up is I kind of feel like if if this was not in a setting foreign to earth like you know like that that this story wouldn't work as well and i i think the reason why i say that is i kind of get the vibe like if these cats got teleported away and say even even if it wasn't like I don't know, America that they were in, like, say, say they get teleported away and I don't know, they're in Russia or something or, you know, China or somewhere and, and they all get locked up and this and that. And the other thing, I kind of feel like if it was on earth, it would be every man for themselves. And I think, I think they would ditch jolt at the earliest opportunity I think like Moonstone would go off on her own. I think Abe would try to hang out with Songbird, but she'd still be kind of mental and they'd both split up. And and especially 
Justin would would definitely kind of feel guilty and just you know I don't know do the the you know and walk off and be lonely or something like that. But I feel like because they're they are all human beings from the planet Earth, and 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 they're in this foreign microverse where everybody's out to get them they're in this kind of walking dead survival mode where they it's like they have to stay together like like they they don't really have any choice in the matter like like at this point they're they're essentially forced to retain their their team and and i i i i guess like i said i i don't think i appreciated that uh, enough when I was reading this at the time, but th- this is a, to me, it's a, a psychological uh, realistic reason why these people would not all sp- immediately split from one another. Cause I, I do think if they were still on earth, that, that would be the natural response is to basically just jet and every man for himself and like all, you know, each of them hide out in a different corner of, the world, right? But here, they're hiding out in this this alternate universe, and and they they have to stay together. Otherwise, they'll probably get picked off one by one. So, like that, I I don't know if that answers your question, but I I, I think there was an aspect of this where it was slowly the the novelty of this title was slowly waning on me. But I mean, I think I think it's definitely interesting the the way in which they're deciding to to keep them together as a team and it doesn't seem you know it doesn't seem forced and it actually seems to make a lot of logical sense to me yeah like t- typical kurt music like not only it, it serves a dramatic purpose and it's also like a you know a mechanical purpose like it, it provides an excuse for the story to like keep going basically like yeah. you know like you said it makes them have to stick together and like, you know, our, our characters are now like going in. Uh, it's funny because it's now it's like, you know, Zemo and Techno are like all, are not in this issue at all. So now it's like, you know, Moonstone has to kind of be the guiding presence. And like the, the others are, you know, Atlas knows the lay of the land since he's been on Cosmos mm-hmm. and Jolt's Jolt's still trying to keep them all together as a team. And then you got, you know, Mach 1 and Songbird with their like sort of relationship snags at the moment and uh i don't know like i I feel like you know music's doing a good job of making sure every member of the team is still like kind of essential to the plot yeah and i i I think i i think also while jolt's trying to keep the team together and while moonstone is taking on that leadership role like just like zemo like Jolt doesn't, you know, like it seems like even though she gives them the pep talk and everything, like it seems like she genuinely believes in Atlas and Songbird and and Jenkins Mock, you know, whatever number he is now or whatever, right? Like so, so he, she definitely believes that they're, you know, that they're they've turned a new leaf. But I think she's still sort of suspect of of moonstone which which works right because you you have the person in the sort of i guess leadership position but you're also sort of you, you there there is that tension where you don't sort of you know the, the the i guess the character that you're supposed to 
identify with, or at least is supposed to be the, you know, our, our through line to the Thunderbolts is basically, you know, the, the Jubilee, the Kitty Pride, the whatever that Jolt is, you know, she's kind of informing you, right? Like, we know that Moonstone's a good leader, but this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, that if this was on Earth, it'd be every man for themselves and they'd all split from one another. And 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 she's thinking a couple moves ahead, thinking like, well, for right now, it, it works that we're all kind of in survival mode in this kind of, you know, walking dead, you know, cosmos universe or whatever. Right. Like, but what happens later when there's there's something that you know, works to her advantage where she can, you know, she basically, I think Jolt knows at, at the first sign of, of anything that gives Moonstone an advantage and it means chucking the rest of them, like she would probably pounce on that opportunity, which, which makes it, you know, that, that also makes it kind of interesting and compelling for a reader. You know, you want to see what happens next. Like what is, what what is Moonstone going to scheme, and how how will that affect the other members of the team? I always call like Moonstone kind of like the star scream of the like sort of Thunderbolts, but now yeah. it's like you yeah. know Mega Megatron is not around, so I mean she still has to use her cunning, and you know she makes the deal with the the bug guy. It's she she it seems like you know to get all her team off the you know out, out of there but also like if if the guy said like oh let us have the rest of them and you can go free she might consider it at this point the the, the other thing that i wanted to bring up was like and this might be a topic worthy for discussion or it might be it might be kind of something that you think is rather obvious but let me know but like i i almost feel like like atlas like like there there is a sense of you know what jolt says like songbird uh, Mach 1, Atlas, like their hearts are in the right place. And I, I think there's some aspect of that with Atlas offering to turn himself in, right? To be like, I'll, I'll let them have me. They can execute me and the rest of you guys can can make your own way, right? Um, and, and you might think, okay, well, there's something selfless about that. But I think there's also the psychological component. Like, he he feels like he's backstabbed Baron Zemo. He feels like he's betrayed um, uh, Dallas Reardon, you know, his his girl pal or whatever, right? His gal pal. And in, in some degree, he feels like kind of like he, 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 he stood up for his teammates, but he kind of feels rotten about it. Right. So, like, there is that weird psychological aspect where he it's like what, uh, you know, death by uh cosmos bug or what you know what i mean like like where it's like he's he's trying to commit suicide by uh you know by cosmos bug or whatever and 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 that's that that's something that i kind of i don't know that was kind of my takeaway on psychologically like what's going on with Justin, like that he's he's so disappointed in himself he thinks he deserves to be executed yeah I, I also like that. I loved that bit where, uh, you know, they're trying to figure out how uh, the cosmos like bugs like recognized him again, even though he's changed his face. And like, you know, Mach 1, Abe, uh, 
says, oh, you know, it's it's a race of uh, alien bugs. Like, they probably don't perceive you just by visual, you know. And they all, like, give him a look, and he's like, what? I know stuff, too. Like, Techno yeah. wasn't the only one who knew stuff. Like, well, that, that, that is kind of a funny scene, because, like, part partly, like, it feels like some of them look at him in disbelief, but it's like, it's funny, like, like the way he reacts to it, it's like, it's like they look at him in disbelief that he has said something uh, intelligent and 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 insightful, I guess. Whereas, like, some sometimes you might just think, like, "Oh, that sounds fucking like like," because the stares, in some degree, almost look like what ridiculousness did just came out of your mouth. But there, there's also that aspect of like, not not it, not that it's just ridiculousness, but that it's 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 like not it's like that's ridiculous and yet insightful and it's insightful from a source that we didn't expect to be insightful or so i don't know it's just it's just kind of like a funny like that whole moment is kind of like a funny reaction to uh to the whole situation so i i mentioned it in the summary but uh, I'll, I'll lay it out here if you haven't read the issue or you, it's not obvious like the blue man they talk about is kang the blue man uh, the blue man yeah so recent recent mcu star kang i guess <laughs> or upcoming mcu star kang i don't know by the I mean, time this, this comes out this, who knows this kind of gave me uh you know like i guess anticipation for something like avengers forever right like the 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 little sort of i i i guess you know flashback moment where they they describe like what would what would happen, you know, this kind of dream sequence or however you want to describe it. But, you know, they're, they're, I guess, um, what, uh, uh, what's the right word? Like a prophecy, like, like, it's like, it's like they have a a prophecy about Kang basically. Right. Like, and, and that's, it's like they, it's done in a, in a sequence where it looks like it's some kind of like flashback, but really, I mean, the way they describe it is, you know, it's like a prophecy, right? It's like, this is, this is what is to happen, right? It's a warning, right? Of, of the blue man coming to conquer us. So it's like, you could, you could make that thing of like, oh, well, you know, it's like, there's, there's hundreds of, of, uh, societies that that Kang conquers, you know what I mean, in the future, and 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 you know, it made me think of like you know that that sequence where he's standing, you know, littered among all the corpses with his little gun. Like, I mean, it totally reminds me of like what what is to come in like Avengers Forever. So like that that is kind of like exciting, I guess, right? Like in in sense of uh, you know a, a you know like a major kind of character or whatever. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I mean, it's Kurt Busiek, so he's probably laying the foundations for stuff like that, like long, long in advance. Long in advance, right? Yeah. Although, I I must admit, though, it it is, uh, I guess the reasoning is a little convoluted, I guess. Like, the bugs are like, oh, we got a message from the future. It said Kang was coming to conquer us and make, you know, make us make, like, the growing man things. So they found some, like, chronal tag or something to, that allowed them to track the growing man things from the future or something. And then it's like, and then we have to figure out who last encountered one and it was you guys. So that's why we took you like, so, and like they happen to take them at a really convenient time too. Mm. 
some things it's like the story won't work if you don't, you know, just accept this basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you could, you could equally say it's convenient that the people that last encountered the growing man or the person who last fought the growing man was someone who has intimate knowledge of this, this society and, and the, 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 you know, I don't know, dimension or whatever the fuck we're calling it. Right. Like that, that they're, that, you know, Atlas, like you said, knows the lay of the land. Right. Like, and it's like, it, it's funny. Cause like, I, I, I kind of feel like that, um, Avenger story that he talks about is such like gibberish, you know, like, like where it's like this kind of crazy wackadoo thing. Right. Basically he's, he's tying together a lot of disparate Marvel history and, and trying to make kind of like a, a singular narrative with it, which is you. I mean, for the most part, like that's that's always impressive, right? Because you're like, oh, okay, you know, like this this is fun. But like, I think, let me just put it this way: I think if you read all the uh, editor's notes stories in order, y- your initial response might be like, what the fuck do all those stories have to do with one another? And 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 mostly they they don't have much to do with one another other than the fact that well and that's not even entirely true i was gonna say other than the fact that eric Jostin was in all of them but in 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 truth eric Jostin is in most of them you know so it's like that 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 i find kind of interesting because it's like that they're kind of disparate to a degree but but this i i I think the some of the the flashbacks and or prophecies sort of knit them together in such a way, but you wouldn't have any string if it wasn't for this issue, if that makes sense. Yeah, the Kurt Busick's got his big, like, board on the wall with all these red threads, like, tying stuff together, like, yeah, basically yeah. at this point. But, but you know, I, I mean, I like that stuff, but, like, yeah, I, sometimes no, 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 it is, no, it's no, more it's, of a stretch fun, right? like, than usual, so sometimes yeah it's fun i mean i mean yeah but you you definitely i mean this is one of those things you know it's like the to use a transformers vernacular this is one of those transformations like you sort of have to force the parts you know like type thing right like it's not it's not it's not like smooth right like where everything just sort of slides into place it's like it's kind of there's kind of like a little bit of like you got to use a little bit of force to to get the parts to move around or something like that but yeah, like, I mean, this obviously this is kind of a almost a, a come down from the uh, epicness of last issue. But, you know, I'm, I, I was I remember still like, I mean, this issue didn't turn me off or anything. I was like, OK, like and uh, you know me, I'm not like so much a space, you know, otherworldly guy as you in, in terms of like what I like my setting to be in comics. But I still I, I still liked it. Yeah, I mean, this works. I mean, I, I, you know, I think I think it has the consistency of, you know, you, you still have Mark Bagley's art, you know, which looks cool. Um, you you kind of have this, you know, uh, kind of like we said, this kind of science fiction society of the, the Cosmosians or whatever. Right. Like um, so like that's, you know, I mean, that works like I, I mean, it's kind of fun seeing them eat like little, you know lizards or whatever they're you know like just that that's that whole like survival mode thing right so it's like you know it, it, it it's a good it's a good place to put them in so that they stick together 
it also is an interesting backdrop too. I mean, if especially if you're into things like, you know, I, I'd say like if if people like things like you know John Carter, you know Princess of Mars, like that whole thing, like it, it, any kind of sort of science, or or even you know what else this reminded me of is like stuff like Micronauts, like you know Bug from the Micronauts, like things like that. Like so, the, it, it has that sort of flavor to the 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 backdrop and everything so so you know it kind of takes them out of a a sort of earth-based thing which i i think at this point is probably just needed because they're they the otherwise you know you'd immediately be like okay they all go to jail they all go to trial like that that's what would have either happened if they were on earth or they would have all fled from justice and then it'd be this kind of you know I don't know, American Eagle, you know, is hunting down like one guy in one scene and, you know, somebody else is hunting down somebody in another scene or whatever, you know, and, and you know, US-1 picks up jolts while she's hitchhiking on the road or some shit, you know, it's like, so they, they wanted to make it different, right, so that it's, it's something else where they're not all on the lamb and they're not in all these disparate stories separated from one another, you know, they're, they're a team, they're together. And and I guess it's also worth noting, yes, Moonstone is kind of, you know, shady and everything. But, I mean, they're, they're at least separated from the influence of guys like Fixer and Zemo, right? Like, where if, if Jolt's assessment is true, right, and she believes that the majority of the Thunderbolts in this issue and in this team have had a change of heart they're they're in an environment where they can afford to let that change of heart flourish and grow as opposed to stagnate and die so i think all those things you know work for moving moving the story in the direction that that uh music wants to take it in so i think i mean that's it that's pretty much all i have to say about the issue all right yeah i'm i'm good i mean i you know it's it's fun to read these. It's fun to revisit them. All right. So we'll take a tiny little break, a commercial break, and then we'll come back with the historical portion of our show. So stay tuned. A long time ago on a spinner rack far, far away. From 1977 to 1986, Marvel Comics published comics based on the blockbuster movie hit Star Wars. Hey, I remember that comic. But Star Wars was not the only comic Marvel published based on someone else's property. Really? Tell me more. I will. I'll tell you much more in podcast form. Marvel's Cosmic Comics, a podcast covering Marvel's licensed publishing during the first Star Wars era. Like what? Well, Star Wars, of course. Of course. And Micronauts. Classic. Rom. Space Knight. Better than it should be. Shogun Warriors. No idea what it is, but it sounds awesome. John Carter, Warlord of Mars. I've heard of that. Star Trek. Motion picture era, in it? Godzilla. That was a comic? Man from Atlantis. So, Aquaman. Jack Kirby's 2001 A Space Odyssey. Wait, really? That's a thing? A human fly. What? Uh, he was a real-life stuntman. You're just making stuff up now, aren't you? I wish I were. And there's much, much more. Anyway, join comic book fan, collector, and writer Ben Avery as he explores the good, the bad, and the ugly of Marvel's licensed sci-fi comics. Marvel's Cosmic Comics, found wherever you catch your podcasts and on the web at comicbooktimemachine.com. Hey, welcome back. We're uh, moving on to, you know, as as usual, the historical uh, portion of uh, Justice Not Entirely Dissimilar to Lightning, where... We usually, usually Derek's in charge of this. He picks an issue that has a direct tie to the main issue we discussed tonight. So, Derek, why don't you take it and tell us what you've picked? 
I am in charge. <laughs> yeah, so um, the historical issue you'll notice is one of the aforementioned editor's notes. It is Avengers West Coast issue 92. The cover date was March 1993. The on-sale date was January 5th, 1993. The cover price was a whopping dollar and 25 cents. Everyone's favorite Transformers colorist was the editor, uh, Nelson Yomtov. Is that right? I don't know. Anyway, uh, title When Goliaths Clash. The writer was Roy Thomas and Roy and Dan Thomas, his wife. Um, penciler David Ross, inker Timothy Zahn, uh, letterer Steve Dutro, colorist Bob Sharon. And I've got a healthy and hearty Justin synopsis for you all. Hawkeye's taken up a new mantle as the supersized powerhouse Goliath. Unfortunately, the villain also named Goliath has taken some umbrage with this. Ta-da! And that was that was blatantly stolen from the I think the the Marvel.com site <laughs> where you can can digitally read this and everything. But yeah, there I mean ba- basically what you've got here is a, you know, Goliath versus Goliath story. I mean, you know what I was I didn't realize when I was uh, reading this, but, you know, there, there is some continuity in this for us because because when we uh, when we did a whole uh, Avengers month, I think this was back when maybe Age of Ultron came out. This was prior to the comics mofo and the Thunderbolts podcast existing. But when we just would cover comics on the proper show, we did a whole bunch of uh, different, you know, tie ins to uh to Age of Ultron, different comics and everything. And one of them was uh, 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 an issue before this, you know, where Ultron comes and attacks the the West Coast team and everything. And this this kind of starts with the aftermath of all that. Right. They're they're trying to rebuild everybody's you know, especially uh, uh, Rachel or uh, Rachel. Um, why can't I think of her name? Oh, Julia um, Carpenter. Julie, Julia Carpenter's daughter, Rachel, right? Like Spider Woman's, right? Like, like she's still crying about fucking uh, Carlos being killed, and we were cracking Spanish all kinds Jarvis. Of jokes. Yeah, Spanish Jarvis. We were cracking all kinds of jokes about Spanish Jarvis. So this is this is kind of a continuation of of something we covered a long time ago. And you know, I got to be honest, I think this is the first time I've ever read this like like just just like those issues like I I you know to me I was kind of um I mean my history with with West Coast Avengers as they were called when I started buying them uh you know I I got into it uh off a spinner rack um I believe my first issue was 37 and then uh burn takes over maybe about four or five months later and I, you know, it was one of my favorite, you know, books to read. I love the art and everything like that. It tied into Acts of Vengeance and a bunch of stuff that I really dug. And then, kind of right after Acts of Vengeance, Burn um, it kind of vacates, like maybe a few months afterwards, and it kind of interrupts some of his plots and everything. They bring in Roy Thomas to take over, and I, I kind of dropped the book like a hot potato, with some exceptions being like, you know, when things like galactic storm came up or uh you know uh, horrible x-men avengers crossovers like blood ties like that that's when i would buy 
you know, Avengers West Coast. But um, this this was not a title I originally was was buying off the stands. I'm I'm familiar with the team and everything, especially because we've read the previous issue, and I I'm kind of familiar with the the team around this time. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of you know standard. You know, U.S. agent is played for a jerk, kind of like Guy Gardner. Um, you've got Living Lightning, like kind of, you know, taking a leave of absence to go to college and shit like that. I, I don't remember Hawkeye turning into Goliath again. Like, I didn't realize he did this. So, like, this was kind of new on me. And I guess, you know, they're interviewing Justin in a cell. And then when somebody mentions Wonder Man, you know, from the time that he and Wonder Man last tussled in Wonder Man's ongoing series, he actually kind of uh, breaks out of jail, you know, kind of negating all the, I guess, dopamine or whatever they had him on to sedate him. And he just kind of breaks through the entire building and and goes off to fight and everything. There's there's a bunch of subplots that are kind of inconsequential to Thunderbolt stuff, you know, like that are setting up future storylines and everything. But the the main the main crux of this is, you know, Jostin is super disturbed, right? He wants to start a fight with Wonder Man. He ends up in a fight with Hawkeye or, you know, uh, Barton as Goliath. And, you know, he also is still butthurt that uh, th- my favorite part was like where he's like, Goliath, no, that's my name. Years ago, that fool called Cage beat me by trickery and stole my Power Man name. And I won't go through that again. I'll kill you first. You know, like and I was just like, it, I, I'm I'm happy we covered the Power Man thing because this this is this is kind of like a through line, like psychologically for him, you know. And so he's getting into this big fight with with Barton and everything. And of course there's of course the inherent ridiculous uh I guess Achilles Hill danger where, you know, Barton can't grow too big and risk, you know, kind of destroying his own self, you know? And of course he does it anyway and 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 nearly like steps on a bunch of people and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, I guess if you're a fan of girl power or whatever, like uh, Mockingbird comes in, right, and uh, and comes in on a sky sled, uses Hawkeye's bow and arrow, and uses some super duper sciency stuff to to mess with uh, Goliath, taking him out. And I, and basically, I think this is mainly what he is referring to in the previous Thunderbolts issue. He says the Avengers. I forget. He he says something like the Avengers did some fooey on me or something like that or whatever. And I think. I think this is, you know, Mockingbird zapping him with the science arrow is the the fooey that he is referring to, basically. And that gives, you know, Barton the opportunity to give him the uh, the Kirby smash, you know, to the face. And then and then basically, you know, they're they're both sitting there congratulating one another in in the press and and that whole deal. And that's I mean, basically, then then it kind of leads to some other subplot or what have you. I mean. I, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't have too many notes on this, to be perfectly honest. Like it's it's OK. I mean, you know, it, it, it's interesting in terms of keeping up with the narrative, like seeing what some of those previous footnotes in the issue are referring to, seeing Justin's state of mind. Like he seems very kind of out to lunch in this and possibly because he's he as they say in the issue, he's doped up and he's got um he certainly has uh, uh, 
kind of like an axe to grind with people stealing his name, right? So this is, you know, th- this is definitely something that that is sticking in his craw, right? So you can see that that that's that's always going to be a uh, sensitive spot for this guy, right? So, you know, uh, you know, b- basically, woe be the the guy who decides he's the new Atlas, right? Because there's going to be some issue where Justin comes in and tries to beat him up, right? So. Yeah, look, I, I, I've read this before because I've read a I think I've read a ton of West Coast Avengers from this era. And like, I, I've never liked like Hawkeye as Goliath. Like, you know, I, I always thought he was trying to fit into a role like, you know, he wasn't really meant for. So like it always it, it and it, he always like like you said, there's always some kind of Achilles heel. Why, why he can't make it work or there's something wrong with them or something. But uh. And uh, yeah, like I said, we 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 reviewed the arc right before this, so I was like, "Oh right!" Like they went to Carlos's funeral, like you know, and yeah, yeah, yeah all that. Like I, I remember all that. And, and, and you know what's funny? It's like because I remember that last arc, I was kind of like, "Man, like Roy Thomas, like you and what is it? His his wife he works with, mm-hmm. or uh, yeah." I was like, maybe, like there's always like I keep noticing all this like these usual tropes of his where um. Remember in that arc when Ultron escapes, it was because that guard brought a like video game into the um like uh, the the <laughs> the Ultron cage and that's yeah, how Ultron yeah. got like out or whatever. Like and the same thing with this. It's like oh the she the, the reporter bribed a guard to like put you know Jostin in his costume and get an interview with him and then they set him off and he escapes and I'm like is that the only way people escape from like the vault is like <laughs> there's all these fucking dumb guards who like you know like oh, I'll bring a video game like they don't know the rules or something like easily bribed guards a video yeah. game's not electronic a a <laughs> big sign that says no electronics no yeah, like yeah exactly big sign that says do not mention wonder man in there yeah do do not mention wonder man in earshot of goliath because he's got mental cray cray problems about that Uh, i i was wondering since you've read more of these like what are your thoughts about uh clint and bobby's current relationship here like because it's like it it was interesting to me because i i kind of remember them being on the outs, right? Because I think the first issue I read was when the the, the two teams were going to break up, right? There's that cover where it's like splitting the, it's like they're ripping the cover in half and Bobby's on one side and Hawkeye's on the other side. And it's like the different team members that agree with Bobby and the different team members that, that still stick it out with Hawkeye and everything like that. So I, I always, I guess for me, I always remember, yes, they were a couple, but, you know, during this you know during the the earlier issues they were they were certainly on the outs or kind of estranged or whatever right and and i know you you dig like the stories where they're they're together and and kind of in sync and all that kind of stuff so i was curious like this is very like makeup sex portion of the relationship or something you know what i mean like they they it's like you feel like they've had a big spat over you know those previous issues but this is very much like yeah let's let's get it on and this is the best and i was wrong no no i was wrong no i'm sorry no no i'm sorry you know like that that whole thing and i was i was just curious like what your 
what your take on that was. Well, what's funny issue. is, and I think I mentioned it when we talked that Ark of Ultron. I think, according to retcons, this is Skrull Bobby he's with. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Like it's she, not. It's, she not she even the, it's not even the real Bobby. Yeah. Okay. yeah, she was replaced at this point. So, like, I think. I mean, like, they, gets, they they didn't know that at the time. Though. Yeah, they, they were writing it to be the real Bobby, but but if you if you go by what like fucking Bendis shit, then then it's Skrull Bobby. I. I like, I don't know if Bendis set a, a a exact time she was like replaced, but I think like the Jim McCann like uh, miniseries that immediately like followed up that like secret invasion uh, established that she was replaced. I think in the middle of that Ultron storyline, like or something. So mm-hmm. yeah, but. But no, as as it was, yeah, like I, I, you know, when I read it, you know, when I was younger, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, Bobby and uh, Clint are getting back together. Like, that's good. Like, good. Good for them. Like, but like I, I, I said, like, I, I always preferred, you know, Clint as Hawkeye. So, like, I've always I, I oh, these issues I'd always be like counting down the minutes between like I was like, when when is he going to put the you know purple suit back on, you know, like. But I, I mean, it's OK, but he, he does kind of need Bobby to like bail him out before he like, yeah. crushes a bunch yeah. of people or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, th- th- that's like one of those things where it's like, you know, don't don't feed the gremlins after midnight. And then before you know it, he's feeding the gremlins after midnight and growing really big and nearly stepping on people and shit. And it's like it, it's funny to me because they, they try to excuse that by having like like two or three dialogue balloons of like, Oh, I didn't mean to move it to a populated area, and boy, I better get out of here before I step on someone. Good Lord, I I could have crushed Bobby in that house. I hope I didn't. Whoo! Thank God I lucked out and I didn't crush Bobby, because then then all that you know civil war nonsense would have quote unquote started like way earlier. You know, if if it had happened here, and and he doesn't have the. I'm a new warrior, little kid excuse or whatever, right? Like so, but I don't know. It's it's funny to me. During and during, you know, Civil War when they had that um, they had that did that, that one shot. I think it was like the Deadpool Great Lakes Avengers, like oh, one right, shot, right. like yeah. during Civil War, and like you know, Squirrel Girl goes to visit Penance. And like you know, he, he he it's it's a it's one of my favorite like little parody thing or you know funny stories because you know uh, you know like they're trying to make fun, it's like Dan Slot trying to make fun of like the whole Civil War thing so it's kind of like you know Penance is like oh man I was reckless like I went off without a plan like I endangered all these people and like Squirrel Girl's like. Hawkeye did that all the time in the eighties and people loved him. Like, so. yeah, yeah, basically. Right. Yeah, like that, that, that always happened. Every I mean, all, all Hawkeye would have had to do was like fall on a bunch of people or whatever. And then he would have been right. like the poster right. boy. For he he would have been the poster boy and they would have been screaming about wherever the hell they were on the West coast instead of Stanford or some shit. But yeah. And then, you know, like you got us agent going off saying like, what's with these women? Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it, yeah that that i mean that you, you know you know what i tend to wonder about some of those things is it's like like did not roy thomas i mean i was not roy thomas writing the avengers when clint barton first became goliath like that's right right 
I think so, yeah. So so I feel like he's just trying to be like, see, my ideas were good. I'm going to bring them back and show you. And it's just like, no, bro, we like him as a guy. Like, stop trying to yeah, shove this shit down our throat. And it does, right? like, I don't even like that Goliath, like, costume. It's like, put on a damn shirt, Clint, or mm. something. Like, I mean, yeah. it's not a good look for him, like, and no matter which way you slice it. I mean, I just I just think it was like one of those things where it didn't take, but it, he keeps trying to make it a thing. Right. Like, yeah, I, I was like, uh, you know, I don't know. That's why I mean, I, I, I guess I've never read this, but then, you know, I if I did know of it, I kind of forgot about it because I I think I'm used to him doing that. What during like the Cree scroll war? And I'm pretty sure that was all Roy Thomas, too. So it just seems like to me he's just trying to keep bringing back something and make it a thing. And it's like we're like, bro, it's it's not a thing. We don't like it, Roy Thomas. Don't do it. I, like I do not want a Goliath, Clint Barton Marvel legend. I I kind of need one for my stupid poster setup. Oh yeah, that's it's, true. It's yeah. it's not it's not like you know I'm I'm not gonna cry if they never make one. I mean I've got plenty of giant men to stoop over my other figures, but I I would take one. You know you know what I was looking at was um. There's there's a Bowen statue of that Goliath, but now it's like a gazillion dollars or whatever. But I was like, oh, I could I could fudge that statue into the display. Like no one's gonna know the difference, you know. Like like it it'll be tall, you know. It'll work yeah, as a giant. That, that works. You know what I mean? Like like it'd work with the other figures, but it's 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 a it, I I think at this point it's one of those you know the rarer statues, you know. So it's it it'd be a sizable investment at this point, but um. Yeah, I I was just kind of like, eh, you know, like I, I I would probably still buy one, even though we're we're kind of giving Roy Thomas crap for, you know, putting his uh you know his quote unquote babies you know, uh trying to get his baby ideas over or whatever you know. Like out of Clint's, you know, got Goliath and he's got like Ronan for like alternate identities. And even though Ronan is like, you know, originated by Bendis, I just kind of like Ronan better because I feel mm-hmm. like it's I don't know, like a Goliath, him being Goliath isn't there's no like theme, I guess, that like plays to his skill set, I guess, at least like at least Ronan, like he's got a sword. He's got he throws like he throws stuff like I mean, well, you, you still... just feel like he's he's like a replacement giant man. So it's like he's doing someone else's shtick because they don't happen to have, you know, a Henry Pym or a giant man around. But yeah. you feel like you feel like the minute they introduce any version of giant man, whether it's, you know, Pym or whoever. Right. Like, uh, you know, that that they would just immediately bring him back to Hawkeye status. And then most times. Most times that feels, you know, like you're saying, that feels right. Like even even the Ronin thing, you know, the fact that he's using swords and he trained with the swordsman. Like there's something about that that, you know, you can rationalize in your head that feels right. Whereas the, him growing giant and having superpowers, it's like it kind of negates the whole I'm the everyman of the Avengers shtick, right? Yeah. I saw some stupid clickbait article earlier this week 
where it was like a clickbait um, article that's stupid. Tell I me know, more. I, it's hard to believe, but but it, it was like uh, Iron Man just proved that like Hawkeye is useless or something. And like I was like, oh, Lord, what's this? And it's like, I guess in the latest issue of Avengers, like Iron Man debuted like his like sniper armor or something. And it's like, well, look, Iron Man can shoot people just as accurately as Hawkeye. So who needs Hawkeye? And I'm like, that that totally misses wait, the wait, point that- of. Does, does that mean, like, before this vaunted sniper armor, Tony Stark was just shooting misses the whole time? Yeah, he was just missing the whole time, uh-huh. But that that also misses the point, like, okay, so what if, like, Iron Man's armor is disabled and, like, he has to be out of the armor? What? Who's Who Who do you want to be the marksman then? Targeting systems knackered, boss. Am I balling it? And I think there's this great, like, whenever someone says Hawkeye's useless or redundant, like, there's this great Hawkeye moment, um, and I don't remember where it's from. It might be from an issue of Thunderbolts, or, I don't know, it might be something, like, Young Avengers related. Maybe he's talking to Kate Bishop or something. But he, he she says, like, something like, oh, I feel useless on this team or something. And, like, Hawkeye says something like, look, like, you know, I'm on a team with, you know, Thor... And, you know, you know, Iron Man and all these guys and stuff. And like, you know, you can feel like you're useless or whatever. But then there's that one moment where you're the only one who can make a difference. And like, that's like, and then you realize why you're on the team, basically. And that's kind of, you know, maybe there's a moment where Thor, Iron Man, like Captain Marvel, all those people are like preoccupied or they're disabled or taken out and. You know, and a, a single arrow can friggin' destroy an infinity stone. So I mean, I I, I always feel like if if I was gonna do like fan wankery or some shit like that, like I, and and you you wanted to have the best of both worlds, like not not only would I have Hawkeye be the only guy who could shoot the arrow at the right point in the right time, but. I would get rid of this fucking my heart's going to fucking palpitate if I grow big. And like just whenever he felt like doing it, I would have Hawkeye grow like super big with a gigantic arrow and just fucking like shoot the fucking moon or some shit. Like that's probably all my (laughs) DC nonsense. But like, I mean, if you're going to do it, like if you're going to make him grow giant, like just have him be awesome. You know what I mean? Like just have it be like where it's like, oh. Jim, Jim McCann, like in his Hawkeye and Mock- Mockingbird series, like he was really good at like, you know, diversifying Hawkeye's arsenal and making all this stuff make sense. He had a like pim particle arrow where he had, like it was an arrow filled with like dozens of tiny arrows. And like, you know, when they uh-huh. break the uh, arrow, like bursts in the air, it just like enlarges into like 20 arrows. And I'm like, yeah, do stuff like that. Like, that's cool. There's another like we were talking about Civil War. Well, here's another uh, uh, shitty event. Um, uh, Civil War (laughs) Two, and there's a great like out of all the shittiness in that event, like there's a great Hawkeye moment, and it takes place in um, I think the Captain Marvel tie-in. Like, you know, after he kills the Hulk or kills Mm -hmm. Bruce Banner and, like, he Mm -hmm. goes on trial or whatever and, like, one of those ridiculous comic book trials that only take, like, two issues or whatever. Right, right. It's it's uh, like a five, one of those quickie five-minute trials, you know. 
But like surprise, 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 like Christos Gage was writing those like Captain Marvel tie in issues. And like he wrote the only like part I liked of that whole entire thing. Like, again, like I think we talked about Civil War one where he wrote the only issue we liked or whatever. But like, you know, Carol talks with Hawkeye when he's in custody and shit. And she's like, oh, like, what did you like? You know, why did you shoot Bruce? Like, did you crack under pressure or whatever? What, What happened? Like, and. And Hawkeye just has this cool, like, line where he's like, yeah, that's me. Like, the guy who stands, like, taking fire from a Kree spaceship, waiting for the one moment to shoot my arrow. That's me cracking under pressure, right? Like, and, like, he's all, like, you know, and she's all, like, rah, 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 rah. but he, he's all, like, you know, cool and stuff, so. Wait, do, do your do your Captain Marvel impression again. Her hard job on Harvard. <laughs> See, isn't that perfect? Like, it sounds just like her. <laughs> you just got to put some... some uh, uh, fucking no doubt in the background. <laughs> we got a major hit on our hands. I don't yeah, have but, anything you know. to prove to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, I don't know. You know, we're 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 kind of off the rails as far as this goes. Like I said, I I, I didn't have like too many notes or too much stuff planned. Yeah, I mean, the the, the the art is kind of what it is, right? And and uh, you know, I mean, it's not bad, but it's nothing I'm gonna write home about or anything like that. And, uh, you know, like you said, the story has certain tropes, you know, a, a villain escapes for some inane, inane reason and, and and goes after our heroes. And there's a bunch of other subplots that were laced into this, which I didn't really feel like going into because it doesn't have anything to do with uh, the Jostin story. But, um, you know, it's, it, it, you know, it, I, I, I think there's going to be lots of issues like this that, you know, hopefully maybe give a broader sense of appreciation for the history that, that Busick was uh, pilfering, drawing from, you know, when he's writing these, uh, you know, Thunderbolts issues, you know, the sequence of kind of explaining why Jostin had the lay of the land and, and, and how that all came to be. I mean, to me, I find it, it it's kind of a tenuous connection, right? Like Bobby shot him with a super science arrow and somehow that ties into this wackadoo story in Avengers where he goes into the cosmos verse or whatever, you know, like, and it's like, I, you know, it's like, of course that issue is like full on nineties wackadoo stuff to me. Right. Like, so it's like, I barely remember it, you know, but you know, maybe one of these days we'll take a look at it, but you know, it, it, it's just, to me, it's like that funny thing where unless you had, you know, Busick doing a, a lasso arrow and like knitting it all together, I would never, I would never associate any of those stories with one another, you know. But yeah, I, I think that's about all I have to say about it. All right. So I guess I should do the, the thing, right? If you guys have any yeah, go ahead. comments, questions, and or concerns. If you're concerned that, that uh, Goliath, Clint Barton, Hawkeye almost stepped on you and you want to send us some angry, angry emails, you can email us at Panels Podcast at gmail.com the backlog of episodes for justice not entirely dissimilar to lightning a thunderbolts podcast can be found on the fanholes podcast.blogspot.com we're on all kinds of social media we're on tumblr twitter instagram facebook we appreciate all the likes hearts shares and retweets that we receive we can be found on Apple Podcasts, we can be streamed on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Thanks, Derek. So this is Mike 
saying, uh, watch out, uh, watch out, Hawkeye, when you use the pim particles, because you might end up in Civil War 3. Oh, boy. This is Derek, Derek WC. My, my, I will definitely get facial surgery and reconstruct my face if Civil War 3 is the thing. Signing off. What we're trying to say is, yeah, don't do Civil War 3, Marvel. <laughs> right there i mean it's just the next roman numeral i mean they're bound to I mean, do it's it so, right? yeah it's like it's so easy so easy you know like I'm, I'm sure we could come up with like a really awesome cool civil war where it's like you know i don't know like the 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 pets versus like the evil pets or something uh, <laughs> well you know we could come up with a better idea so Considering all the ideas they've had have pretty been have been pretty weak, but be like Frog Thor and Alligator Loki, Civil War. Civil War. See, we can tap into the Memo verse. The Memo verse, yeah, and then and then Moreland can come in and shit in everybody's memes for no good reason. <laughs> what will create maximum mean memes, Larry? <laughs> That's what we need. <laughs>